In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Beloved Orthodox Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have come to the first Sunday of the Holy and Great Lent, <clears throat> a Sunday upon which the Church invites us to celebrate the victory of the true faith, of the true confession of faith over all heresies that existed from the time when devil started to fight against the church and to introduce and to lure the Orthodox Christians to confess something that was not taught by our Savior, that was not delivered to the saints, that was not taught by the apostles and the fathers. It is the Historically, of course, we are celebrating the victory of the church over the heresy of iconoclasm. There was a heresy that was raging in the whole world, whole the Byzantine Empire and, and abroad as well, <clears throat> throughout the uh, most of the 8th century and the half of the 9th century, almost 150 years. The throne of Constantinople was taken by heretical patriarchs, and the emperors themselves were heretic, heretical. And through much suffering, through much tribulation, through much perseverance, did the Orthodox Christians <clears throat> stand on the true faith and in the end triumph. And the final triumph came on this day, the Sunday of Orthodox, that is the first Sunday of the Great Lent of the year 843, under the, under the Empress Theodora and Patriarch Methodius, who convened the final council <clears throat> in the city of Constantinople in the, ta in the uh, church of Lacherna, to condemn and anathematize, to endorse and to perpetuate the condemnation of the heret heretical iconoclasm that was done some 50 years earlier by the Seventh Ecumenical Council. So you can see that although a council had condemned heresy of iconoclasm, it continued, came back for 30, 40 years, and it was finally subdued under Patriarch Methodius through much blood, through much toil, through many Orthodox Christians shedding their blood for the icon of Christ as for Christ himself. So we are celebrating this particular day because the or the victory of the icons, because the council so decreed that from henceforth every first Sunday of the Lent should be celebrated as the victory of orthodoxy over the iconoclasm, as the victory of orthodoxy over all heresy. And that is why we proclaimed in the short service before the uh, starting of the, of the Divine Liturgy, and we shall do the entire service, which takes over an hour at the monastery in the evening, the proclamations, the definitions of the faith concerning the icons and all the other doctrinal statements of the church, proclaiming the eternal memory of all those who stood fast for the true faith and also anathematizing those who had persisted in teaching the heresy, the fallacy of, the, of, of heretical uh, thinking. This, beloved Christians, is what we are celebrating today, the th true faith that was delivered to the saints. For our faith does not come from men. That is the difference between Orthodox Christianity and all the other so-called faiths. All other faiths are humanly tainted. They're human machinations, human thinking about God, which is false. God reveals himself and tells us what to believe about him, and that is orthodoxy. God, our Savior, having come, become incarnate and taught his apostles, left with them the true faith and taught them that the Holy Spirit would guide them 
that is the whole church throughout its sojourn on this earth, would guide the church by reminding all the truths that our Savior had taught them. And that's what the Holy Spirit does at every council of the Orthodox, at every writing of the Holy Fathers, at every standing fast for the faith. Even if it's one person that is Orthodox, the Holy Spirit is guiding him, reminding him, and making him steadfast in all the truth that our Savior has given to the church to treasure. And as a reading from the Holy Gospel, we read today the Gospel of St. John, which is most pertinent to the understanding of what it means to be an Orthodox Christian. For this Gospel reading preceded the uh, establishment of the Feast of Sunday of Orthodoxy. That is, it was read in the church before this feast was uh, put on the Sunday. But providentially, it is the most appropriate gospel for the feast that we are celebrating. For it is a, a short conversation between our Savior and this man called Nathaniel, who would become his disciple. And in that small conversation, our Savior himself, with his blessed mouth, his profound words, tells us what it means to be an Orthodox Christian. So what do we hear in the Gospel? That our Savior, after having inaugurated his ministry on earth, after being baptized by John and having fasted for 40 days in the desert and then returned to Galilee, he called his disciples to him. It was Philip and Andrew and Peter. And then this one person appears whose name is Nathaniel. And what do we hear? That Philip went up to Nathaniel and told that we have found the promised Messiah, the one that the prophets wrote, the Psalms mentioned, the one that is, who is the expectation of us and the nations. We found him, who is Jesus from Nazareth. And Nathaniel was first incredulous when he heard Nazareth because he was well versed in the prophets, knowing that if it is the Messiah, he should not come from Nazareth, but from Bethlehem. Because out of Bethlehem would come the shepherd, would shepherd the people of God. That his Messiah was supposed to come from Bethlehem. So he did it not in disdain that he talks about Nazareth, but knowing that from Bethlehem must come the Messiah. And of course our Savior did come from Bethlehem. He was born there. So first he's incredulous, and there, but still he, can, he comes with Philip. And before he arrives, our Savior has, says, says these profound words, Behold, an Israelite indeed with whom there is no guile. What is the meaning of this words? And why do I say that this is the definition, an explanation of what an Orthodox Christian is? An Israelite. What does it mean to be an Israelite? Did our Savior mention simply Israelite because he was of the Jewish stock, the child of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? No, there's something deeper in this. And what is it? Israel was given as a name to Jacob son of Isaac and grandson of Abraham, when he saw God face to face. For Israel, the word Israel in Hebrew tongue means he who beholds God. God appeared to Jacob and Jacob saw him face to face and lived. And after this epiphany, after this revelation, God named him, you are Israel, the beholder of God. And that is the meaning of an Orthodox Christian. He who beholds God doesn't invent things about God, doesn't espouse human inventions about God, but just as much God has revealed himself and taught him about himself, so much he behold God in truth. This is what it means to be an Israelite. 
And this is what our Savior says, that this man is Israelite indeed, because he is a true believer. He beholds God as God has appeared to him. This is what our saints are. They beheld God face to face in the divine vision, which is the most the, uh, lofty stage of sanctity, but it starts on the mo- in the most basic level in holding fast to the truths that God has revealed to us. That is vision of God as well. For when we truly hold fast in our hearts and our minds, those truths with which God has revealed himself, with which he paints his image in our minds and in our hearts, holding fast to that and not allowing it to be tainted by any humanly devised doctrine, by not subtracting nor adding anything to that painted, divinely painted image of God in us, that is beholding God as well in its most basic uh, level. That is what we are all called to, to be true Israelites, of beholding God by holding fast to all those doctrines that our Savior, with which the image of our Savior is painted in our minds and in our hearts. But our Savior doesn't stop there. He doesn't simply say, behold an Israelite indeed, that is somebody who knew the scripture, somebody was a believer. He says, a true Israelite with whom there is no guile. So it means there is a second ingredient to being an Israelite. One is to hold fast to all those things that God revealed about himself and never to betray them. And second, not to have guile. Now, what does it mean not to have guile? Not to be hypocritical of believing one thing with our words and mind, but living a life that contradicts it. This is what the Pharisees did. They believed, yes, truly they believed in the correct doctrine they had, but their life was contrary to this. Their heart was full of malice towards other people. Their heart was full of haughtiness and pride and judgment of others and looking down on others. They didn't have guilelessness, that is, Somebody who is harmless, who has no malice, who has no anything in heart against other people. That is, he is not a hypocrite of confessing with one, on one hand God and true doctrines, and on the other hand in his daily life, in dealing with the others, he is worse than somebody who never has never known God. That is true Israelite, somebody who beholds God and is guileless in his way of life. He is not a hypocrite, but he is straightforward. He has singleness of mind. He does not say one thing and do the other. His heart is full of that same compassion and love and truthfulness towards others, just as commandments tell us to be. Therefore, this is the why I said that our Savior's words about today about Nathaniel tell us exactly what an Orthodox Christian should be like. Orthodox Christian is someone who holds fast to God's doctrines that are revealed by him about himself. And he has that vision of God, that most basic vision of God through these doctrines and who has no guile that is in his daily life. He is not hypocritical, he is not pharisaical, but rather he tries with his all might 
to do whatever he confesses also with his word. And if he fails to do, he does not excuse himself. He doesn't say that it does not matter or that it's too difficult or it will be, it's not my fault, but rather he repents and starts again, always accusing himself of the fault and not others. Therefore, this is what Nathaniel was, a true Israelite with who, has, who had no guile. And this is what all of us are called to be, if we want to be truly Orthodox Christians, in mind, in word, and in deed. But let us ask one more question, beloved Christians. That mysterious, that mysterious moment in the conversation between Christ and Nathaniel, when Nathaniel, when he hears our Savior's telling him that when he was under the fig tree, then he saw him. Suddenly, he falls on his knees, and suddenly he confesses and worships him as the Son of God and King of Israel. What's happened there? What was so special about our Savior saying that, I saw you when you were under the fig tree, then I saw you for Nathaniel suddenly to have this absolute uh, epiphany and to fall down and to believe in our Savior. There's a mystery here, and it's expounded by St. John of Kronstadt most beautifully in his homily on this day. And what does he say? There was something happening with Nathaniel when he was under the fig tree before Philip came. He was in deep prayer. That's what St. John of Kronstadt says. And just like all the righteous of his time, like Zacharias, the father of the foreigner, like Simeon, the God receiver, like Anna, all of them were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And they were constantly entreating God to be there when Messiah comes and to be his faithful servant. That is what Nathaniel was also praying under the fig tree. He was in deep prayer, in, uh, in deep prayer with our Savior, begging and asking him to see how much he had his desire, how sincere was his desire to be a true Israelite, to be a recognized Messiah, and to be there when Israel is consoled by Messiah. And at that moment, says St. John of Kronstadt, he received assurance that God saw his desire. And that word of assurance was deeply ingrained in him. And when our Savior who was there answering his prayer under the fig tree, in person repeats those very same words, that when you were under your fig, the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel recognized that same assurance in his voice, recognized those same words that he who consoled him under the fig tree was the one who was telling him now that I saw you under the fig tree. That is, in your solitary prayer, I was there with you. I listened to you. I listened to your sincere desire, and I was the one who consoled you. And now I'm confirming to you that I saw you truly, although you thought that you were alone in prayer, I was the one who consoled you. And that is why Nathaniel, recognizing the words and the voice of our Savior to be the same words and voice that he received in his heart in prayer, falls down and worships him, understanding that he is a truly God become man, truly the one who consoled him under the fig tree. How beautiful are the explanations that the fathers give, that we read of the gospel and it gives us uh, through the fathers, it gives us depth and the scope and the measure that is impossible for human mind simply to understand. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That is why the reading of the Holy Gospel with the commentary of the fathers gives us true understanding 
of the words of our Savior. Therefore, beloved Christians, let us be Nathaniels, those who seek, yearn, desire to be well-pleasing to God, who are there ready day and night, every moment making themselves ready, saying, here I am, my Savior, to be faithful servant to you. In whatever I fail, help me to stand fast. And that is when, if we try that, and if we do that, and persistently be there, no matter what this life brings, no matter how we wake up in the morning, no matter how, how many problems we have in family, work, and so forth, if we truly strive to be there as true Nathaniels, true Israelites, being there steadfast in our faith and in our way of life, our Savior will truly truly be as the same consoler as he was to Nathaniel and will be truly his disciples. Let us therefore try, beloved Christians, try with our whole might to be true Israelites, to emulate Nathaniel in his desire for God and in his guilelessness. And if we do that, we truly will be his disciples and we deemed worthy to be celebrating eternally in the heavenly kingdom with all the saints. Amen. May God bless you.